You're listening to episode three of the Teacher Innovator Podcast. In this episode, we are giving our best tips on how to shift quickly from the classroom to online teaching. Hi, I'm Jamie Hand, Innovation Learning Coach, and I'm a part of a group of innovative educators who are looking to transform the way our students learn and in the process, rediscover our joy of teaching. This is the start of a new conversation about meaningful innovation that authentically transforms the way we teach. Innovation is not something we do, but rather is a way of being. We are teacher innovators, and there has never been a more exciting time to be an educator. I'm glad you're here. A few years back, I switched from being an elementary art teacher to online teaching, and I learned some things along the way, and so with everything going on, I thought I would share my best tips on how to shift quickly from the classroom to online teaching and learning, because there are some things that you may not have considered as you're diving into the world of online teaching. Now, as I'm recording this, we are in quarantine, so I do have my three kids and husband at home. So if you happen to hear background noise, I'm sorry, But I wanted to still get out the content to you, so I'm still going ahead and recording, even if it isn't perfectly quiet. Okay, now that I've gotten that out of the way, let's dive in. I have four C's that will help you transition to online teaching. Okay, and the first one, we are going to start with you, care meaning our self-care. And this relates back to our teacher framework, our teacher innovator framework, where we talked about one of our pillars being the best you. And in order to do that, you have to take care of yourself. Well, in this episode, we're talking specifically of online teaching. So how does self-care look when you are teaching online from home? Well, the first thing I want to share is that even though you are working from home, you are not on duty 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yes, you may have emails from parents at all different times, but that does not mean you have to disrupt your home life and respond to those emails at midnight or one in the morning. Even if you're up because you can't sleep, I do not recommend going into your email inbox. So even though you are working from home and that you may see your your little makeshift classroom set up, uh, it could be in your bedroom or a spare room or your dining room or your kitchen, where, wherever you see your computer, just know that doesn't mean just because you see it that you have to be on duty. So I recommend setting your office hours. What hours are you working? Now, if you are working with a school or school district, you may have a set time that you need to be available to parents, like from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., for example. 
And so you know that that can be your working hours. Now, with that being said, that doesn't mean you have to just sit at your desk and wait for emails to roll in for for those eight hours. What I would suggest doing is setting up your own schedule. So even if you know you're teaching between eight and three, how can you chunk your time or block out your time? Um, I would set how often are you going to check your emails? So this could be as simple as just a reminder to at the start of every hour that you go and check your inbox. So at like 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m., etc. You get what I'm saying. So so you want to set up your own schedule based on what is going on in your own family. You may have your own children that have to do their learning at home as well. Your husband may be working from home or whoever it may be. So even though, or if you may have to go walk your dog. So even though you do have to be available, and I'm just using the example 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., you can still divide up and chunk your routine and chunk up your schedule. So I would make sure to take your lunch break, take breaks, get up, stretch your legs, take a drink of water. And I know from working from home for many years now, I actually have reminders set on my phone to tell me to go and drink water. And that may sound completely silly, but it is true. Sometimes when I get working at my desk, I kind of lose track of time. So I have alarm set, um, alarm set to drink water, to get up and walk around. I even have an alarm to go pick up my children from school. So you may want to think about um, if if you need those type of alarm set that that can help you as well. However, with that being said, I do recommend turning off your notifications. So I recommend turning off your social media and your email inbox notifications. Just because a parent emails you, yes, you want to respond right away. But if you know you are checking your email like every hour or every two hours, you know that you will get that response done in a timely manner. But you do not have to sit at your computer and wait for those notifications to come in. And this is um, in a lot of times the notification is going to distract you and you're going to move to that task away from the task you are working on. And that actually adds more time to your schedule rather than if you just focus on one task at a time. So you may divide up your schedule into um, live teaching if you're doing a video online. It could be uh, implementing or gathering different resources for your parents. It could be just making offline videos to share with your parents. It could be calling, making phone calls. Obviously, checking email is an important one. But as we've mentioned, just choose when you are going to be at your inbox. Another idea could be having a set office hour, like from 10 to 11 each morning, you do have your inbox open and you can respond right away. And you can tell parents, hey, I am available 8 
8 a.m. to 3. I will be checking email. But if you want to get a really fast response, I will be sitting with my inbox open from 10 to 11. And you can kind of train your parents that, hey, this is the best time to get an immediate response. And parents will appreciate that. So just setting your schedule and allowing yourself the time and flexibility and to realize you are not on duty 24 hours, seven days a week. Okay, and my other tip for self-care while online teaching from home is if you're not used to working from home, you may want to change out of your pajama pants. I know one of the benefits of working from home is that you can be casual. And if working from working in your pajamas works for you, then great. Go ahead. Keep doing that. But if working from home is a new thing for you, you may want to actually change out of your pajama pants. You could put on jeans. You could still be casual. But sometimes just changing that, actually brushing your hair, brushing your teeth, all of that helps you get into the routine. And then it also is kind of like a signal that, okay, well, now I'm going to sit down and do my work. Versus if you're just in your pajama pants and the messy bun and you're working off the couch. So it can just be a simple tip as you get used to working from home. I know now I can do many recordings in my pajama pants, but this is a tip. I know when I first started online teaching, I did do this. I did change into, I didn't get all dressed up, but I did change into jeans and I made sure to brush my hair and brush my teeth. Even if I wasn't going to be on camera, it just helped me get in the right mindset of being prepared. Okay, now I'm working and now I'm teaching. All right, our next C for shifting quickly from the classroom to online teaching is connection. And this, right after taking care of yourself, is one of the most important things you can do. In fact, this relates to our pillar three that we talked about in episode two of being connective and that you want to focus on connecting and building the relationship with each of your students. Now, the last few weeks, I've seen many educators, you know, you're anxious, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're having to do this overnight with no materials, no resources to help you, or there's an abundance, everyone's sharing all these links, and you're feeling overwhelmed, you don't even know where to start. I totally get that. But I feel like a lot of educators are focused on the wrong thing. They're focused on the what, like what am I teaching? What content? What lessons? What curriculum? When really we should be focused on the connection. Your first thing that you should sit down and plan is how are you going to connect with your students? Now, this can look many different ways. So this may look different um, to each individual educator. And of course, you do want to follow your district and your school's policies. But I'm just going to talk in general just to help give some ideas. So one, it could be a simple phone call calling each of your students, just saying hi. You don't even have to give instruction, just making that connection of saying hi, how are you doing, and reaching out and showing that you care. So a phone call. Now, I know some of you are are thinking in your head, oh, that's great, but I have 600 students, so how do I do that? 
Well, in that case, it could be more a video message where you record yourself talking to your students. And it could be one message that you then email out to the parents. So video message. Another alternative is creating an audio message. Maybe you don't have the capability to record yourself on video. I do know that you can get a voice recorder app where it actually records your voice. So if you're worried about being on camera, this might be a good way to to get started. And if you have the iPhone, I know the voice recorder app comes installed on the iPhone. So you may want to check that out. Then, of course, you can do live video um, using a platform like Zoom or a webinar platform. There are different apps you can use. Um, You may do a Facebook Live or a YouTube Live. There's many different ways you can actually do a live video. So this would be you set up a time that you're going to be live on video. You can email that out to your parents and that depending on the platform, they can log in or sign up and then they can attend the live session. Now, I do know some districts are not allowing live. Some are promoting live. So once again, follow your district's policies. But this is just another option of a way to connect with your students. Now, when you're building that connection with students, this is a great opportunity to model a growth mindset. You can talk about how this is new to all of us and we are learning together. So really reach out when you're making those connections and say, hey, you know what? I'm learning just like you are. And let your reassure your students and your students' parents and the families that it's okay. We don't know exactly what this looks like, but we're here together and we're here figuring it out together. And another way to make a connection is to keep some sort of the routine that you've been doing in your classroom. See if there's a way you can replicate that online. So if there's a certain classroom song that your students love or a classroom message, or um, maybe if you work with younger learners, you have a morning, a, a circle meeting or a morning routine. See if there's some way um that you can take one of your classroom routines and incorporate it into your online teaching. So it could just be like a video message of you doing your morning routine or circle meeting. Or it could be you send out a song that your students and you have been singing all year and you send it to the parents that they can play with their children. So what can you take that is an established routine in your classroom and how can you now put it into an online platform? So I hope I hope this is making sense because I'm trying to talk general but yet give you specific advice as well. Okay, so just to review, so far we've talked about care, meaning self-care of us as the online educators. We've talked about connection and building the relationship with our students. And next, we're going to talk about communication. And my advice for communication is we want to kiss. Keep it super simple. K-I-S-S. Keep it super simple. When you're communicating and 
I'm assuming most of the communication is going to be with the parents or caregiver who's in charge of that child. You want to make it crystal clear of what the parents need to do. So if they need to log into an app or into a platform, you need to be specific and say, log in here and make the link very noticeable of where they need to log in. If your students need to submit work back to you, make sure parents understand the procedure or the process that you are looking for the work to be submitted. Some things to think about are um, who do your parents contact if they have questions? So if they have questions about the curriculum or content, do they contact you? Is there a team leader that they're supposed to contact? If they need tech support, once again, do they contact you for the tech support? Is there someone else in your school that they're supposed to um, communicate with? So these are things to keep in mind as you're getting started in your initial communication with parents. Um, One tip that And this is a tool tip that I learned and used when I was teaching online is you can actually set up a Google Voice account. And this is free if you have a Google account and you can use this phone number then to make phone calls and you can even text message from that phone number. Now, this is a great way that you can instantly communicate with parents, yet protect your privacy. So you don't have to use your personal cell phone number, but you can get a Google Voice number and use that to make outgoing phone calls and text messages. And the other part about communication is you want to communicate to your parents that online learning at home looks different than at school. So at school, you know, we have eight hours or however long it is, and our schedules are pretty much set. You do language arts at this time, you do science at this time, you eat lunch at this time, you go to PE, you have recess, everything has a designated time. But I would communicate to your parents that at-home learning, it can look different. Parents should not be replicating the school schedule, but rather they can use it as a guide if they need help getting started. But I would suggest parents making a schedule that works for them and their family. I know I have three children and we are sharing one computer. So we have different blocks of time that people can log in and do their work as needed. So think about A lot of parents are trying to do this while they're balancing their own work or they have multiple children. So just reassure your parents and communicate to them that it's okay if learning at home looks different than it does at school. And the other thing I want to say on that note is I would really be aware if you are giving your parents and students daily deadlines to maybe rethink or reconsider that. Um, As I said, many parents are trying to do this while balancing everything else going on. And so rather than a daily deadline, maybe it's just a weekly deadline. So if you have a week of work and you can say they can submit by 
Friday night or Saturday morning, then parents can plan out when the chunks of time work best for their child to work on it. I would not recommend a daily deadline because you simply don't know that family schedule. And sometimes daily deadlines really add that added pressure when maybe it doesn't really need to be there. Now, I do encourage And I would suggest this, you can encourage your parents to keep their child working daily. This doesn't mean they don't do any work and then on Saturday morning, they're trying to do a whole week's worth of work in one time. I would not suggest that. You can remind parents, hey, we encourage your child to log in, work daily. You can submit daily, but just know the deadline is this date. So, Making sure you communicate that to your parents is very important. And the last C we're going to talk about in this episode is community. So not only are we connecting and building relationships with our students and their families, but you want to build the community among your students within each other. Now, this once again can look many different ways, but how can you provide opportunities for your students to share? If you think about it, you've spent all year building up this classroom community, and we certainly want to celebrate that and keep it going. So how can you host maybe online celebrations, opportunities for your students to share? Now, as we've mentioned, it could be in a live lesson or a live sharing or a live show and tell. Um, But if you can't do live video, it also could be in an email. Maybe parents send you pictures and then you put them all together and then send it out in one email so that students can see with each other their work. And it could just be photographs of the work or a picture or photo. It doesn't You don't have to have um, all the students in the pictures if parents are concerned about that. Um, I've also seen where teachers have created a Google slideshow or a PowerPoint and then created a slide for each student to add their work. So there are many different ways that you can build up the community, but don't forget Not only are we connecting with our students, but we want to continue to build that community and connections with each other. So how can you share with everyone of what is going on? And another example is if you have a birthday, if you know a student has a birthday, um, maybe you could collect other messages from their classmates and then share in one email all the birthday messages. So think of simple ideas like that that you can do to help cultivate and still build that community that you have spent all year working on in your classroom. Okay, so to review, the four C's that we've talked about is care, meaning self-care for us, connection, building the connections with our students and their families, and communication, how important it is to be clear with our parents of what they need to do and when they need to do it, and community of building, of continuing to build the relationships among our students. Okay, well, hopefully uh, you find these tips helpful as you navigate these uncharted waters of online learning and teaching. 
And I just want to celebrate for a minute of how amazing you are. I mentioned this in the last episode, but it really is so amazing to see all different educators from all different grades and schools and districts really pull together and help each other out. Our tip takeaway this week is what can you do this week to build connection with your students? So no matter what your circumstance is right now, what is one thing that you can do to reach out and connect and support your students and let them know you care? Because I know if you are listening to this episode, you are a teacher innovator. We do care. So what is something fun that you can do to reach out and connect with your students? We'd love to hear your ideas. You can share with us. You can DM us over on Instagram at Jamie Hand Innovator. And we will see you in the next episode. Until then, happy innovating. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Teacher Innovator Podcast, please click subscribe and leave a positive review as that helps us reach more teacher innovators like you.